Well, good day, friends. Welcome to Monday, June the 26th. Thanks for joining me for today's episode of Enough for Today. It is Monday morning for me, and I always feel uh, like I got hit by a train on the weekend, and that's just I think it's just because of preaching. And uh, we had a great day yesterday at Emmanuel. We welcomed new families into our church. We saw four new believers follow in baptism. And uh, we, we took a flyby, began a flyby, I should say, of chapters 13, 14, and 15 of John. Before we press into verse 18, the, the tone of the conversation changes at verse 18. I really felt like the Lord wanted me to go back and, and review some of the things we've talked about and, and look at them differently and maybe linger a little more on these truths. I started to regret that last night. I hope I didn't make a bad decision. Um, but I hope that if you catch the message, if you already caught it or if you don't, uh, that you will, and that you will um, be caught up in the wonder and the beauty as I was reconsidering these things. Part of the reason I'm repeating them is because Jesus repeats them, and I really want, th- these are our kind of like our marching orders. You know, these are our life, th- these are the directions for life from Jesus and also his instructions for the best outcomes the greatest fruit, the greatest joy, the greatest flourishing. So if you want a life of purpose and provision and joy and um, significance and meaning, if you want to experience love and be a loving person, it's all bound up in, in John 13, 14, and 15. And, uh, and I've just been riveted by it. Well, today we are in Psalm 80 which ties into John 15 so beautifully, as we've been talking about in uh, recent days, the parallel of the abiding life, the failed vine, the failed vineyard of Israel, Jacob, and the true vine, Jesus, Jesus the fulfillment. And Psalm 80 shows us how the Bible works in in an amazing way. So this psalm, written hundreds of years before Jesus, and we've already talked about the historical placement of this psalm, and the contextual events happening around the destruction of Israel in, in the shadow of the promises of God, which seems so paradoxical, so uh, antithetical. What God promised he was going to do this mighty work through Israel, and now Israel's been devastated. The psalmist is grieving and mourning and sorrowing and, and interceding and asking God why and how long, and it, does, it doesn't make sense. And we come down to verse 17, and we're going to wrap up this psalm in the next, if not today, then today and tomorrow. Um, and he's, he's been rehearsing the vineyard that thy right, verse 15, the vineyard which thy right hand had planted, the branch thou made strong for thyself. It's burned with fire, it's cut down. They perish at the rebuke of thy countenance. So God's done this seemingly destructive work in Israel. What about his promises? What about his presence? What about, you know, we are his people. What about all these things? So the psalmist then prays. And from a 21st century vantage point, by the way, I did something last week that I feel so bad about. But for those of you that are part of our church family, first service I said something about something coming all the way, the words of Jesus coming all the way forward to 2021. And uh, I, I, I heard about that. And when I thought about it, I'm thinking, wait a minute, what I meant to say was, it comes all the way forward to the 21st century. So now you can see, I'm not just delusional over what year it is, I just, it was just a flub of my thought flow. 
when I meant to say it comes all the way forward to the 21st century. It's funny because during the service when I said that, I thought something's not wrong, not right about how I said that. But uh, I couldn't I couldn't stop and re- rethink through it. Anyway, back to this topic. Um, from a 21st century vantage point, we can see the connections, not only between Psalm 80 and John 15, but even more importantly, the purposes of God that were laid out and rehearsed and interceded for and requested and prayed over in Psalm 80 are now expanded and coming true in John 15. So let's keep reading. Verse 17, let thy hand be upon the man of thy right hand, upon the son of man whom thou madest strong for thyself. Now who could that be talking about? Now again, let's break this down through a proper, what, what, what the technical term is, proper hermeneutic. The interpretation of this, the, the, the foundational interpretation of this is that the psalmist is asking God to let his hand rest again Uh, his right hand, his right hand of strength and power and blessing to rest again upon the nation of Israel. Uh, That's the idea of the man of thy right hand. But, But hold your breath for a second. The phrase, let thy hand be upon, if you, if you phrase, if you study that out, the hand of the Lord can mean both blessing or judgment. So there is a, there's a couple of layered senses here. The, the, the sense is also surrender. Okay, Lord, let your hand, whether it's in blessing or in chastening, let your hand be upon the man of thy right hand. So God chose Abraham. God called Jacob Israel, changed his name. Uh, so the man of thy right hand is technically speaking about Jacob and out of Jacob, the entire nation. Um, but let your hand be upon is both a prayer for God's blessing, but also a moment and a step of surrender to whatever God's hand chooses to do in in either chastening or blessing. So it's a phrase of surrender, Lord, let it be. (laughs) Let your hand, as long as it's your hand, we surrender. That's the sense of it. Um, Upon the Son of Man, the, the descendants, lowercase s, son of man, is not a title, but hold on to that thought. Upon the son of man, the descendants of Jacob, whom thou madest strong for thyself. Lord, you made us strong. You can choose to make us weak. You can choose to make us strong again. Lord, we're, we're just going to be, we're going to surrender to the work of your hand. It's what most psalms do. Most psalms come back around to the surrender, okay? But from a 21st century vantage point, this psalm takes on a fuller view and a fuller sense of God's what we call progressive revelation. So this psalmist only had access to up to that point in the history of God's dealings. Well, we've got several thousand years now added to the story that we can look back and we can see how did God answer this prayer? How did God let his, his hand be upon the, the man of his right hand? Well, first of all, the man of thy right hand could have also been referring to a king, a leader, um, a savior. And as we know, the heart of God throughout the Old Testament promises a savior. It's very likely that the psalmist is saying, Lord, send us that Messiah. Send us that savior, that that intervening, mediary, 
who's going to deliver us and restore us and strengthen us. God, let your hand be upon that man that you've chosen, that man of thy right hand, and upon the son of man. Now, this is interesting. Son of man often refers to just the descendants of mankind. But in Daniel, the word son of man is a title. And it's the title of the Messiah, the Savior, the King. And amazingly, this psalm was probably written before Daniel. But Jesus himself, when he came, claimed that title, the Son of Man. So any New Testament Jewish person, any follower of Jesus, anybody hearing Jesus, frankly, when he called himself the Son of Man, would immediately have traced their ideas back to, first of all, Daniel, the Savior, the reigning, ruling Messiah, who's going to be the Son of Man. But then secondly, a passage like Psalm 80, who... Um, that, that rehearses the idea that a son of man is needed for the nation to be made strong again and for salvation to come. One more thought about the foreshadowing here, really the prophecy. You would call this a messianic psalm because this is very prophetic in its, in its layered sense of, of, uh, and, 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 uh, of meaning, okay? Let thy hand be upon. I just said it could mean judgment, and it could mean blessing. Here's what we've discovered over the last several thousand years since this psalm was written. We've discovered that God answered this prayer. He put, put his hand in judgment on the man of his right hand, Jesus, upon the Son of Man. He then made him strong for himself. He allowed him and gave him the... Uh, well, he resurrected, he conquered death. So a hand in judgment, resurrection, strong for thyself, the son of man. Why? So that he can put his hand on you and me in blessing. Jesus bore the hand of judgment so we can rest in salvation under the hand of grace and mercy and blessing and provision and it is beautiful. So these are wonderful things to think about on a Monday. I think this is a great start to a new week. You are under the hand of God's blessing today because Jesus went under the hand of judgment. So think about these things. Happy Monday. We'll pick it up here tomorrow. Probably finish out the psalm. Have a great day.